Nachyomi for the Orthodox Union, Sefer Yoshua, the book of Joshua, Perak Tes Vav, chapter 15, Rabbi Bini Marilis. The 15th chapter deals specifically with the borders of the tribe of Yehuda, of Judah. Whereas before we've seen the areas on the um, eastern shore of the Jordan, the two and a half tribes, and we have talked about the section that belongs to Kalev ben Yefuna. Now we get the full discussion and description of the tribe of Judah. The tribe of Judah, of Yehuda, can essentially be understood, as the Gra writes at the outset of his commentaries on this chapter, as the entire south portion of the land. That is to say, it will include uh, Binyamin, which ultimately sort of gets encompassed in Yehuda in the course of history, and the tribe of Shimon, um, which as well is encompassed entirely by the land mass that belongs to Yehuda. But majority of the southern portion of the land belongs to Yehuda. And our chapter deals with the different border sections of Yehuda. It lists off many cities that belong to Yehuda. And then it has a very interesting story with respect to Kalev and his daughter, Achsa. And we'll see that in the course of our discussion throughout the parak. Verse 1. And so it was that the lottery fell on the family in the tribe of Yehuda. We begin to discuss where in fact Yehuda exists and we talk about the southern portion of the land. So we begin our discussion in the southeast. The southeast in the area um, near Edom. If you want to again consider the map on the eastern shore of the Yardin and the eastern shore of the Dead Sea, Yam HaMelach, you had going down the different tribes of the, non, the non-Jewish kingdoms. You have Bashan, which belonged to Og, and you have the Emori under Sichon in the middle. And then going further south, you have uh, Moab and Edom, and you had Ammon further to the east, Edom being the furthest south. And Edom exists essentially to the south, directly to the south, and heading mostly to the east, but somewhat a little bit to the west, of the Dead Sea. So when we begin our discussion of the borders of Yehuda, we begin there. And essentially what we're going to see is that Yehuda goes from sea to sea, from Yam HaMelech, from the Dead Sea, all the way out to the Yam HaGadol, to the Mediterranean, and then encompasses a large piece of property, which is the most of the landmass on the shore, uh, the western shore of the Yam HaMelech and most of the uh, line that goes into the Gaza, Aza area, uh, which would at the time be the home and the housing areas of the Plishtim. So we have as follows. So on the border of Edom, which is Midbartzin, the southern desert area was called the wilderness of the Midbar, Midbarzin, Midbarzin, Right, Negba, that word, this famous word Negba would be essentially Negev, right, the famous in the modern world of Negev, it's essentially the southern region. Mikzei Teman um, doesn't actually mean that it's actually near Yemen, but rather it's the southern portion in the directions um, towards uh, Teman. Verse 2. Vayhi lahem gvul Negev, mikzei yam hamelach, min ha-lashon ha-pone Negba. 
So it was that the Gvul, the border down there, would be on the edge of the Amhamela, the Dead Sea, from the Lashon, which essentially literally means, means like a tongue, but it sort of means something that, uh, that an area that sort of uh, lips out, that sticks out, that uh, heads out towards the Negev, and which essentially is the southern edge, the southern tip of the, uh, of the Amhamelach. Before we continue uh, with the beginning of the next verse, Viyotza El Minegev, the Ma'ale Akrabim, something to point out that in the course of the discussions of the of the gvulos, so one can get very easily lost as to where we're talking about, and also can get very lost into the manner in which the borders rise and fall and move east to west and north to south. The text itself in Yehoshua essentially um, uses six words to describe the movements along the borders. We have in our next verse, Viyatsa would be one. Then we have also um, Vinosav, which would be two. We have Vi'avar, we have Vi'ala, we have Vi'arad, in Vita'ar. And all six um, appear um, interchangeably over the course of the different verses and can be misunderstood interchangeably as they're all dealing with borders. Each, however, does have a unique meaning. The first one, Viyatsa, is essentially in discussing the beginning, the initial border from that location, that it goes from there into an area near Kadesh Barnea. So one has to understand that what it means, the way Rashi, or sorry, the way the Da'at Sofrim explains it, Viyatsa means that it doesn't mean that it went straight, but rather it's sort of, it went on a sort of a slanted move in a certain direction, that it went out from a certain place, not necessarily in a straight line, but that it went out. As Rashi explains, Viyatsa el minegiv the Malayak Rabbim, Eino Omer Viyatsa v'nasa v'ta'ar, Ela b'makom, Ela shechut shel gvul bolet el hachutz, o konesh l'tzad p'nim. It doesn't use the words Vyatsav and Asavitar except in a situation when the line of the border either extends out or moves inward from its direct straight location. So he says, Sheino Halech Mikhuvan, it doesn't go in its direct straight uh, path. Bekanhu Balait El Hachutz. And here, in our case, it sort of moves in an outward direction. Ubami Negev Lemaaleakrabim. And it comes to the point near Ma'aleakrabim to the south of Ma'aleakrabim. Nimtza Shemaleakrabim Lifnimin Hachut. Right? And it, therefore, what we find is that the town of Ma'aleakrabim would be inside the borderline. And then it comes to it um, on, its, on its western side. So that what you have with the word of a yatsa, that terminology is that it heads in that direction, but it's not point to point in a straight line, but that it goes point to almost point, but essentially comes in just below it so that it can be considered included in, in, in the discussion. And essentially what we're working here is the uh, west, the east to west southern border of the tribe of Judah. So if yatsa el minegev the Alami Negev Kadesh Barnea comes to the famous place Kadesh Barnea, which we've heard from before. Kadesh Barnea exists essentially in an area somewhere in the middle of the Midbar in the Midbar Tzin. The Avar Chetzron, the Adara, the Nasav Hakarkaa. 
Right, so we have two other words here now. We have the avar. Avar, the word the avar means to pass through. Perhaps it can even mean to go directly through a city and thus uh, separate a city into two pieces, into two different tribal areas. And that's what we have, avar, chetzron. The word Allah, which we mentioned as well, Allah means that you're going up, up into the hills, and as well in a certain sense, what we'll see a little bit further, up towards the, the area where Yerushalayim will be located. Vinasav, the term vinasav means differently. The word vinasav means that you're circling a specific area to include it. So that it sort of, it juts out to include the area called karka'a, whereas if you would draw the straight line, it would not be included. So it's sort of um, just a little bit of a jutting out, a little bit of a, of a hiccup almost in a sense, to include it in a specific region, a specific city within the borders. Vivar Atzmona, and it gets to a town called Atzmona, Viyatsa Nachal Mitzrayim, and it ends out, right on a slant, near Nachal Mitzrayim, Bahaya Totsot, Bahayu Yama, And this will be your border on the south, right? It, it, its resulting end is at the sea, and thus the ultimate border across the south, not a straight line directly across the south, would be essentially from the Dead Sea until the Tichon, until the Mediterranean. Moving to verse 5 in Hay, Ugvul Kedma Yam HaMelech Ad HaYarden, and the eastern border is Yam HaMelech until the edge of the Yarden. Essentially what that means is that from the tip at the south of the Dead Sea to the north of the Dead Sea, point to point, would be the eastern border of Yehuda, just where the Yardane feeds in to the Yam HaMelech. So he says that what you have is that the beginning of the northern border would be the edge of where the Yardane um, exists at the point near where it meets the Dead Sea, the uh, Yam HaMelech. In verse 6, They were working the northern border. The northern border can sound a little bit more complicated, and as you'll see, it's always sort of going up. That's the famous notion that Yerushalayim is above all of its other cities and all of its surrounding sister cities. So he says, It goes up to a place called Beit Chagla. And again, if you're working from the Jordan, so you're working essentially directly uh, west with some, with some uh, north and south movement along that border. So it starts at Bechagla, the Avar Mitzvon, the Beta Arava, and it works away a little bit north of the area called Beta Arava, the Lahagvul Evan Bohan Ben Ruvein. And it passes and it rises up near an area called Evan Bohan Ben Ruvein. According to some of the commentaries, it simply means it was a large stone that belonged to somebody who was the son of Ruvein, literally. Verse 7, If it's in fact the same Emek Achor, it would be the place where um, Achan was in fact killed, and thus it would be named after him. If not otherwise, perhaps, as uh, other commentaries explain, that it simply was a very dry place, um, and not a place that people necessarily wanted to have. Um, and it was called Achor. Not actually to Gilgal, but in the direction of Gilgal. Again, remember, the border is not a direct straight line, but it's sort of moving um, 
you know, if you want to see it as sort of a winding path in a certain sense through an amount and out over the mountains, then maybe the best way. But it doesn't go actually to Gilgal, but it goes in the direction of Gilgal, which is north. As it continues to move, it's working its way um, again west, and it ends up in an area in Rogel. In Rogel, as a location, is uh, what you would call, I guess, southeast a little bit of Yerushalayim, which we'll hear about in a moment. Um, but it's a little bit southeast of Yerushalayim, so the Totsotav, the result of all of the movements um, through those different areas, ends at a place called Enrogel. And then the border continues to go up and essentially reaches the famous valley of Ben Hinnom, right? Or what ultimately we consider as the place called Gehinom, Ge Ben Hinnom. El Ketef to the shoulder of Yavus, which is the area near Yerushalayim. It goes by that region, but in fact does not include Yavus or Yerushalayim. Yerushalayim basically, ultimately belongs to the tribe of Benjamin. So the border of Yehuda is just to the south of the areas known as um, <coughs> of uh, known as Yerushalayim. Visar. The word Visar, beginning in verse 9, that is a word we have not yet seen. Visar, Rashi explains, means it goes directly directly around a specific area, not including that specific area. Sorry, uh, that it encircles uh, over and around an, an area. Um, and as opposed to simply a jutting out, which we saw Vinasaf, this would certainly encompass a larger region in that area. However, the Gros simply disagrees, and the Gros approach is that the word Visar means it's a direct Kavyashar, it's a straight line. So, you know, depending on how you approach it, um, it can affect how one would see exactly the border. And as it sort of works, so now it's, sort of, it's rolling its way towards towards the sea, towards the Yam Hamela, uh, towards the Yam Hatichon, towards the um, the Mediterranean. A place called Har Seir. We talked previously about a place called Har Yisrael. Here we have a place called Har Seir, which I guess would be the um, the parallel to, to the land of Seir itself. And then it works its way through Beit Shemesh. Now we're essentially we're halfway through the border. And now we're coming down, right? We're coming, it says the, the language is Viarat. It says we're moving away from the hilly area of Yerushalayim, the language is no longer an Aliyah, but rather a Yirida, and we're heading towards a place called Timna. Timna, it would appear, would be the southernmost point on the northern border of Yehuda. Again, the southernmost point on the northern border of Yehuda. And now we're moving back in a northward direction on an angle towards a place called Ekron. Ekron will be closer uh, to the border. We'll see Ekron again as it will serve as a border for Dan later on. And it ends up near a place called Yavne'el. Yavne'el will be north of Ashdod uh, in an area near the coast, but not exactly on the coast. And the border ultimately results at the sea.
הגבול הים הגדול וגבול זה גבול בני יהודה סביב למשפחותם. And then ultimately the border, the water area will be, the Mediterranean will be the uh, western border, even though the land in uh, what you would call modern day uh, Aza, the Gaza Strip, uh, those belong to the Plishtim. Nonetheless, those would be included and encompassing in the areas known as Nachalat Yehuda. We now come back and talk about Kalev again. And here we have an interesting little story about Kalev with respect to the capturing of his own property, plus a little vignette about his daughter. Ula Kalev ben Yefuna, Nasan Chelek Besoch Bnei Yehuda, El Pi Adonai Lehoshua, Es Kiryas Arba Aviha Anaki Chevron. Kalev was given a piece of property in there, um, in the area known as Chevron, and it was based on the word of God to Yehoshua, essentially which was the word of Moshe at the time back in the Torah. What it does shed light on the fact is that if Khalid bin Yifuna gets this area, then ultimately the other Mishpachot would be dividing up the other areas, and somehow that Goral would be decided amongst the tribe itself as to who would settle where they would settle. And Khalid ultimately inherits or conquers the uh, giants that are there. It's Sheshayvat Achiman, that's Talma Yilidei Ha'anak, the children of the, of the giant. And he goes up from there to a place called Devir. Devir previously was known, uh, also is known as Kiryat Sefer. One must assume that it's in an area in and around and near where he is in the area of Hebron. And now, Kalev offers a challenge. And this is unique. It's the first time it appears, the Datsovim, is the Datsovim right? It's the first time it appears that anyone offers a specific reward for victory in battle. The reward here is his daughter, which is an interesting discussion. Making such an offer, uh, there's a discussion in the in in literature uh, whether or not he should be considered one who asked inappropriately, um, similar to the way Eliezer asked the story with Rivka and, uh, and others. Um, perhaps that this could be considered one of those things by offering his daughter, perhaps the person who would conquer the area would be inappropriate um, or unsuit- or not suitable for her. Uh, nonetheless, he's zochet to get asniel, um, but perhaps he is the one that offers uh, in- inappropriately and asks inappropriately. Discussion for another occasion. This is the challenge. The person who captures... The city called Kiryat Sefer, I will give my daughter Achsa as a wife. His brother, Asniel ben Kenaz, who ultimately we'll see later on, will become the first of the Shoftim. Asniel is the one to do it. And Achsa is given to him as a wife. And as it is that after she's given to him, she falls off. She falls off her camel. She desires to ask a a, a question, a request um, of her father. And as she's going to ask the request, she falls off She falls off the animal that she's riding. And the father says to her, "Malach, what's up? What do you need? What can I help you with?" So she asked for a bracha. She asked for some sort of a bracha. Rashi says a parnasa. Because the land that they're living in is a desert territory. It doesn't grow. Perhaps he can give her 
an area for water. And perhaps you can get uh, springs, and pits, and um, areas and wells where she can have water, which she can then uh, irrigate and ultimately uh, grow her property that was given to her by her father. And her father, in fact, um, listens to her request and, in fact, gives her what she asks. Many of the commentaries take an entirely different approach to this story and view it essentially in sort of a code. That Kiryat Sefer is a discussion with respect to um, Torah, and Nasniel is a massive Talmud Chacham, and a Rosh Hashiva, as it were, in his time. And then what it means that he is going to be uh, locate Kiryat Sefer, is going to return all the halachos that were forgotten in the time of Moshe Rabbeinu. And thus, it's Adniel ben Kenaz, by virtue of his abilities um, and, and, and his talents at, at Torah study and learning, uh, that they are able to return and to uh, uh, reveal the 3,000 uh, halachos, approximately, that were lost in the times of the death, in the aftermath of the death of Moshe Rabbeinu. So the offer of his daughter is an offer to the greatest of the Tamani Chachamim um, to uncover those halachos. What she then asks for um, in this discussion it's for an ability to be mefarnes, an ability to have parnasa, to be blessed, um, so that she can uh, care for such for such an individual. He then blesses her, and he gives her gulos alios, as gulos tachtios. He gives her stuff from the heavens and stuff from the earths, a spiritual bracha of sorts, that she will be taken care of. And you don't have to worry about it. There's nothing to worry about. Um, an interesting approach. If that is, in fact, the, the what the story means, then Kali would not be one who in fact asked inappropriately because he's asking the Shem Shemayim, the Shem Torah and Mitzvot, and perhaps then it would not be a problematic type of situation, different than what Eliezer offers and discusses in the Torah, in the story of Rivka for Yitzchak. Either way, an interesting little story. At the same time, it could also be that here she is a pioneer, um, one of the first to settle the land and one of the first to work the lands, and essentially she needs help in her ability to go out and pioneer um, the land mass. That is the end of the discussion of the uh, of the borders of Yehuda and a family specifically within the tribe of Yehuda and their territory. We now get a very long list of cities that belong to the tribe of Yehuda, and we will go through them now. We're beginning in verse 21. We'll simply read through them and understand that by virtue of listing out all the cities, perhaps it is a fulfillment of the notion that they will live uh, that the Jewish people will live in cities that they did not build, and here. Um, we then get a very long list of cities that, uh, that exist throughout the territory that belongs to Yehuda. Yehuda is a very large territorial area. Um, at the same time, some of the cities that are listed in will belong to Shimon. Because Shimon, as a tribe, will have its portion within the borders of Yehuda. Cities in the southeast. Vikina Vedimona Vadadava Kedesh Chatzor Vietnam. Chatzor here would not necessarily be the Chatzor we mentioned previously, because this is obviously again in the south, whereas that Chatzor was well into the north. Verse 24 is Ziv, Ziv, Vatelem Uve We'll see later on in Tanakh, a very famous and important city. 
Assume a Tesha that belong, it'll be 29 that belong to Yehuda, but in fact there are more that are listed here, the remaining cities belong to Shimon. Eglon Eglon is a city we've mentioned before. Eglon, I believe, exists in an area near the coast. Uh, we saw as one of the king areas, one of the kings that we mentioned previously in the previous chapter, it was a city near the coast. Dan. And now he's mentioning all the cities along that coastal region, all called an area near Ashdod, belong to uh, Yehud as well. Ashdod ben Oseva Chatzirah, Aza ben Oseva Chatzirah, Adnachem Yitzrayim Hayam Hagvul, Hagadol Ugvul. Along that coast and along those areas, all the cities and their sister cities, or the children cities literally, uh, belong to Yehuda as well, until you get to the point of Nachlem Yitzrayim, which would be the end point of the border, which reaches the border point on the uh, southwest. Memches, verse 48. Ma'on Kamel Vazif Viyuta. Zif is an area to the southeast, slightly of Chevron. Viyizrael Viyakdeam Vazanoach. Hakayin Giva Vasimna Arim Eser Vachatzrihem. Simna, we mentioned before, perhaps it's the same Timna, is an area on the uh, northern border. Chalchu based Sur Ugidor, Ma'aras Ubeis Anos, Eltakon, Arim Sheish Vachatzrihem. Kiryas Baal Hu Kiryasi Arim Vaharaba. Arim Shtayim Vachatzrihem, Bamidbar Besa Arava Midinu Sechacha, Vanivshan Vir Hamelach Vingedi Arim Sheish Vachatzrihem. Those are clearly um, those we know. Uh, Ir Hamelach is an area, is a city on the Dead Sea. Vingedi, Engedi is the area just to the outside, just to the west of uh, the Dead Sea area. Six cities. Ves, now in the end, we talk about Yerushalayim. The last verse. We'll read it as it's as it's read. Yavuz, the people of the, the Yavusi tribe, the Jebusites, as they're called in English, who lived in Yerushalayim, the way it's read, Lo means that they were not um, allowed. According to Rashi, Rashi says that they were not allowed to take them. Uh, other commentaries cite differently and simply means that they, they wanted to, they attempted to, but they were unsuccessful, they were not able to. As the Dad Sofim writes, Ksiv lo yuchlu, the Kree lo yachlu. Haksiv kavana solomar, the writing of it, as it's written, yuchlu, 
כי גם בעתיד לאחר תום זמן הבריס לא יכלו לגור שם לגמרי. Even after the end period of the covenant with Avram Avinu, as the Yivus that's mentioned here is apparently actually a tribe of Plishtim, and this is the, tri- this is the treaty of Avram with Avimelech, they could not, they still later on could not rid them, rid the city of them. Mitnei Zechar Habris, and David, who took the city and captured the city, left over a certain location. This is the area essentially where the Harabite would be, where the temple would be. He knew that it was Jebusite. He didn't take it from it, but rather he paid for it. He paid for the area. So there are two ways to essentially read the end here. It's either that they were they wanted to, they tried to, weren't able to, or that they simply were not allowed to uh, take that territory at this time. When Yoshua writes the Sefer, as uh, later on going into his li- later into his years, as uh, as his Sefer will end, it's still not the case that the uh, the, the Bnei Yehuda are able to take the land. But rather, it still belongs to uh, the Yehudi people. Uh, two things to point out: one, uh, the Bir Hagra on this chapter and the other chapters with respect to the borders is very worthwhile in reviewing as he goes through each and every specific town and location and the different types of borders that exist. So that is certainly worthwhile and much of what um, we discussed on the, in this year is based on the Grah. And secondly, the significance of the fact that Yehuda goes first uh, should not be lost on us, the sequence of the tribes that, is, that are discussed. First you have the tribe of Yehuda and then you'll have the, the children of Yosef. Um, it's significant. Uh, it would appear that in a certain sense that under the surface there is a there's already a little bit of a divide between the different uh, different kingdoms, as it were. Um, certainly, will be very tribal um, amongst the Jewish people for a long period of time through the book of uh, book of Shoftim, the Judges, um, where you do have much tribal warfare um, with the non-Jewish populations, but not simply united fronts. At the same time, going through later into the history, when we already have kings, it's clear that there are distinctions and separations between the areas to the south and the areas to the north. But it's not lost, and it should not be lost on us, that Yehuda is first, the virtue of the fact that the Malchus belongs to him. To share with you one gra from the beginning of the next Perak, so the gra writes as follows. Mibnesh Yehuda ve'efraim heim rashe hashvatim b'chom makom b'in b'seder ha'degalim that the tribes of Yehuda and Ephraim are the first, the leaders of the tribes in every place, particularly in mention as well in the Midbar itself with respect to the, the flag and the locations where they were. The first kings were from them. In the future, may it come soon, that the two Mashiach, the Mashiach from the tribe and the, the, the child of David and the Mashiach, the, the, the child of Yosef will be the redeemers and the leaders. Thus, the Jewish people are always called Yehuda and Ephraim. And therefore, in the separation and the, and the division of the, of the land, they went first. Continue tomorrow with Perak Tesai in chapter 16.